Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon? Hold it for a second. Some of you is the first time here. You're like, what kind of church is this? I promise you it connects with the message. I promise you it's a modern expression of the story of the prodigal son. And we have not lost our minds. How many of you appreciate creativity, don't you? And uh, listen, I believe that you're not here by accident. And I want you to do me a favor. Just find somebody around you and tell them God has something special with your name on it. Now, some of you just saying it like you don't really believe it, but find somebody else around you and tell them God has something special with your name on it. Find somebody that looks like they're already sick of saying it and tell them God has something special with your name on it. If you believe it, come on, give God a good praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We had a lot to process through in his word today, so we want to get to it. Before I do, I, I want to I thank God very quickly um, for the present, presence of our uh, superintendent of schools here in San Bernardino, Dr. Dale Marston and his wife. Thank you so much for being here. Now, some of you would better know them as Josh's dad and mom, so uh, we're so happy to have them here. And this is, um, this is actually, it's not Josh's last Sunday, but it's Josh's last Sunday serving and playing, and so this is a historic day today. He won't be on the keys again as, um, he's, um, he's getting ready to move into his career. He's moving out of state and it has been such a blessing. We'll celebrate him real big on this last Sunday, but I just wanted to recognize this day as well. Let's just thank God one more time for Josh Marsden. Phenomenal. He's been so faithful. Be seated for a minute. You can find Josh with a broom in his hand, picking up a bin, doing whatever needs to be done in the house of the Lord, and he never complains about serving in God's house, and it has been amazing to have him a part of what God is doing here. Uh, one more thing. Uh, we have a brand new... Um, uh, charter school in our area and I'm so proud of this lady and what God is doing through her that I want to recognize this uh, from the stage. It, the, the name of the school I believe, I'm, I hope I don't jack it up, is Savat uh, School, correct? Did I get it right? Savat Preparatory School of Business. Okay, excuse me. And, uh, and she's here today. The, um, her and her partner opened up this school right up the street and I just want to honor her today. Eva Tillman is here. Stand up please and let's just thank God for what God is doing through people that care about students. Awesome stuff. I want you to get your Bibles. We're proud of you, ma'am. Congratulations. Uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to continue in this series. I feel like the Lord is going to speak something to you directly to where you are. And, uh, and we want to give him um, ample space to say what the Lord wants to say. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And the Bible says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided 
to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with a prodigal or with prodigal living. Verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Want to minister a message this afternoon entitled One Life to Live. One Life to Live. Thank you, gentlemen. We have started this new series, and one of the things that you have to get as we have been going through this, I started last week by making you aware that this story, this, this parable um, that Jesus was telling here in Luke chapter number 15 was third of a series of parables in Luke 15. Um, at, at the beginning of Luke 15, verse number 1, we see a situation where the Pharisees and the scribes were upset with Jesus. And they were upset with Jesus because of the fact that Jesus was sitting with sinners. Um, unfortunately, they did not understand that that's where light belongs. The light belongs in darkness. Somebody say amen. And, and so, so they had an issue with Jesus. And so Jesus began to tell them a series of stories. The first one was the lost sheep. And as you find that in Luke 15, 3 through 7, I'm going through this not just to tell you that I know the Bible. I'm going through this so you can go and look back and study it yourself. You never want to extract one thing out of Scripture without getting its full context. That's how we get erroneous doctrine. Even the Scriptures call it doctrines of demons. Um, is that when people begin to take word of God and begin to twist and turn it and turn it all kinds of ways that actually do not line up with what's happening in the Bible at that time. You need to know the context of when the scripture was being, who they were speaking to, who the audience was, the time, and all of that to grasp what God is saying. And so also we saw the lost, lost coin. We see the lost coin in uh, Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. And now we are looking at all month long the story of the lost son in Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. As we begin to look at scripture, we find out that this prodigal son or this lost son, um, he, he, he was in a posture where it wasn't so much about the sin of the son. But it was the fact that the son himself was lost. Wasn't about how bad he was, but it's the fact that the son was away from the father. Away from the father. When you're looking at this context today, I don't want you to think prodigal son and think sinners in the world. But it's important that I lay this out this way all month long. You have to realize that all of us have a little prodigal in us. You don't have to say, man, I know it's right. Where God designed for us to be in a particular place, but we have made a decision to move away from what his plan and his idea has been. But God wants to bring us all into the place of the return. He wants to bring us all to come into alignment with what his plan and his will is. This young man rebels against the father. And he shows that he is dissatisfied with the father's provision. He is dissatisfied with the father's restrictions. Can I say this to you for a moment? Restrictions are not always bad. In order for you to go where you need to go in life, you need boundaries. I see. I see where I'm at. Some people don't like structure and system. But you need boundaries. Look at somebody who looks like they want to be reckless and tell them you need boundaries. You need restrictions. Let's keep it real. If you will put some restrictions on your diet, you would not have gained that weight you gained. We are in the month of September. 
You, you, you told God in January, you made a commitment to yourself and God. This will be the year that I'm going to get fine. I'm going to lose some weight. And we all can tell, and you can too, that we did not keep that commitment. Talk back to me in here today. And, and the reality is that where you put restrictions, you'll have growth. Where you put boundaries, you'll have growth. Come on, write that down. Because some of you are looking like you don't like this, but I'm going to help you today. Where you have restrictions, and what he was saying was, I no longer wanted the Father's restrictions. But as we stated last week, Father knows best. He sees from a different perspective. He sees from a different level. And so he knows where it is you're going. He knows how he's designed you. He knows the purpose that's on the inside of you. And so what he wants to do is place the right boundaries around you so that you can become exactly what he created you to become. Look at someone behind you and tell them, enjoy your restrictions. Right? Right? If you, if, you, if, you, if you put restrictions around your money, you would come on off the struggle bus. Hello. Yeah. Lack for most of us has nothing to do with the attack of hell. It has everything to do with lack of restrictions. Here's the next thing. So my wife says this statement. So the, the, well, let me say this before I say that. He comes and he says, what was designated for a later time, my inheritance. Uh, uh, the thing that you have worked your entire life for, Dad. I don't want to wait to the appointed time. I don't want to wait for its maturity. I don't want to wait to when it belongs to me. I want it now. My wife says a statement all the time. It used to get on my nerves. I actually, I enjoy it now. But she says this. And she'll say, right while you're in the midst of rushing, or and she'll say, haste makes waste. Haste makes waste. Don't be distracted. Haste makes waste. And I'm like, listen, mother. Uh, you know, she's just like, take the time to plan. Take the time to add structure to your life. Take the time to look ahead because when you're rushing around or when you're trying to get something too fast, you'll end up wasting what you had. Thinking that rushing or moving fast is the answer, you'll miss out on your inheritance or what God has designed for you. Are you getting this today? Haste makes waste. So the young man he makes a decision, I want my portions of the goods now. But it was not the right time. I want to pick up where I left off last week. It was not the right time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, I love this. He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's made everything beautiful in its time. So whatever we get out of time is not beautiful. It's not at its best. It's not the way God has designed it. Anything we grab outside of God's timing puts us in a situation where we are not living out God's best for our life. I want to help you with something today. God wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to live a lower class life. He doesn't want you to live a less than life. He doesn't want you living beneath your privilege. He wants you to live the best possible life that you could ever live. God's design for you. Look at somebody say, I'm living my best life. God's best design for you is to live your best life. 
your best life. Not a downgraded version of your life. In order to understand the timing of God, I'm going to go back to where I always take you. You've got to have a foundation of relationship with God. And as you build relationship with him, you can come to the place of understanding what is designed for what time. What belongs in what space. When should I do this and when should I pull back? It brings us to the place where we get to be able to look beyond our desires, beyond our mindset, beyond our thoughts because the reality is is that many of us as we have thought different things or we wanted certain things most of those things are, are selfish selfish desires selfish ideas but how many of you in here are tired of being out of sync with the plan of God uh, okay just about five of you that's good some of you like it huh uh, it's a, it's it's time to get in alignment with him. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what's the plan for that to be manifested in my life. He says everything is beautiful in its time. In its time. It is important how you regulate and realize time because that will determine how you manage the life you've been given. If I have one life to live, the one life I have to live, I must manage it at my best. I don't want to at any day decide that I want to kick back and I'll lay back and I'll, whatever happens, happens. Whatever manifests, manifests. Whatever it does, it does. Because it's the idea of I, I, living my dream means living recklessly. There's an idea in our culture that all I want to do is float from hour to hour. I want to float from day to day. What's your plan? I don't have one. We're just going to see what happens. I know I'm in the right place. That's why you're looking at me like that. What's your plan? I don't know. I was just, you know, we gonna, where are you going to stay? I don't know. I was just going to get there and see what happened. Who are you going to be with? I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. We get ready to go to college. What you going to major in? I don't know. What you gonna do after you get your degree? I don't know. I just got something that I was kind of interested in. Interesting. What kind of expectations do you have for who you marry? I don't know. I just want a man of God. Everybody got a whole lot of different contexts for what that looked like. I just want a woman that loved Jesus. Okay. So then when you wake up in the morning and that thing looks scary out of the horror movie and you're wondering what happened, you had no standards. So look over at that girl's mama and see what she looked like and make a decision. <laughs> I got to make an informed decision in the kingdom. <laughs> Are you in here today? What am I trying to get you to? I'm trying to get you to the place where you stop just floating. It's this ideal of, and listen to me, a lot of you spirit-filled folks, as we believe and we stand with at the church, we, 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 we feel like 
in order for us to get to purpose, we flow there. Like Holy Spirit only can give you revelation on the point that you need it just at that moment. Right? So if I'm about to go do something, I'm going to wait till like five minutes before and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? As if God doesn't have the power to help you see ahead of a thing and to plan a thing so you don't waste what it is that's been given to you. He says, he says, this is what the young man is saying. I want what I want and I don't care about timing. Care about structure. So here's the thing about it. I want to get into this timing thing. And, and take me to Ecclesiastes 3.1. Put that up on the screen for me, Charmaine. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1. And, and I love this because in, in the scriptures, it begins to say this. To everything, there is what? It's a what? And to every, for every purpose under the heaven. Go ahead to the next verse. There is a time. There's a t- season and a time for that. Are you understanding this today? So you've got to ask God, what is the time for this? What is the time for that? And many of us, when you press away from the Father, you become void of his revelation as it relates to time. Are you getting this? The prodigal wanted to get away, and because he was pressing away, he was missing out on the timing versus receiving what the Father had to say to him concerning it. What does it say? There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's time to plant. There's a time to pluck what is planted. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. A time to break down. Time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain. A time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to throw away. A time to tear. A time to sow. A time to keep silent. Imagine that. A time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time of war. And a time of peace. There's a time associated with everything and that's why you've got to not run away from the father but I'm trying to bring you to the place of pursuit it is time to pursue the father it is time to pursue the father's heart it is time to pursue the father's will it is time to pursue the father's uh, mandate and his plan for our lives so he makes a decision and he says in verse number 15, uh, Luke 15, 13, the Bible says, not many days after the young son gathered all, as translated as he cast out. He cast in everything, cast in rather everything that he had, he had gotten from his father to get the money that he wanted. And he journeyed to a faraway country. He journeyed to a faraway country. The faraway country, as we begin to deal with last week, we talked about distance, but I want to go beyond distance. Because the faraway country is not just measured by distance alone. Anywhere where a man is away from God, any area in your life where you decided to distance that from God is a faraway country. So what we do is say, God, and for us to think, don't think we got no prodigal in us. For, 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 for what we do is say, God, you can have this, but you're not going to touch this. I want your mind on this, but I don't care what God thinks about this. And some of us are like, no, I have never, I have never, I have never talked to God like that. But we don't do it emphatically. What we end up doing is we just don't ask him. It's not like you're just in full disobedience where God said don't. and No, you just refuse to inquire of him on the topic. So you 
you journey yourself through to figure out whatever you want to do, and then after it's broken, come on, y'all, then we come back and say, God, would you put it back together? Would you fix it? And the truth is that if we had come to the Father and removed ourselves from the faraway country in the first place, he would have revealed to us what we needed instead of us trying to figure out and get it now. Is this making sense to anybody? Uh, a lot of times it's the idea of we, we have certain aspects of our life that we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want God involved in. We don't, we don't want him operating in. I want to figure this out. Um, I got this. You know, the kind of idea, you know, I'm a grown blankety blank man or woman and I'll do whatever I want to do. The, the, the idea of... The idea of I've been on this planet 20-some, 30, 40-some years, and i figured it out so far. I can figure, How's that working for you? The figure-it-out-yourself deal where you have no need of the Father of Heaven to give his interest, his voice, his direction in a space in your life. Look to somebody that looked like they're annoyed by this word and ask them, how's that working for you? Somebody say it is not. I hear you. A faraway country. What faraway countries? Let's reflect today. Can we do that together? I asked you a question. Let's reflect today. Can we do that together? What area in your life is a faraway country? Let's do work. Let's do work. Let's do work. I want you to think about that today. What area in your life can you determine right now that you really don't want God's mind on it because the thing about it is you know that if he gives you your mind, you're going to have to change. If you really get God's mind on that person that you can't stand, their guts, and you just want to stay angry and stay mad, and you know that if you come to God and ask God what you should do in this situation, he's going to say, fix your attitude, go and repent, go and buy them a gift. You're like, I'm going to stay right over here in this far country. And I'm not paying attention to, hello, prodigal, I'm not paying attention to nothing God has to say about it. I'm not going to repent. I'm not, a, I ain't do nothing wrong. They need to come repent to me. Hello, faraway country. We don't inquire for certain relationships. We get into things that we know are bad for us. I mean, you hear them crickets saying amen. I mean, that thing is amazing. We know. You know when you laid eyes on that individual, you was like, this is all bad. Poison. <laughs> Poison. It's like, I just know this is all bad. It's no good for me. And what I'm going to do is, I'm just going to move based upon, here it is again, I'm going to remind you from last week, based upon immediacy. I want it now. I don't want to wait. So I'm going to not even inquire of God's opinion for it. Faraway country. Where are the faraway countries in your life? Where are the places where you said, God, not today. Hello, wife. That makes a decision now, God, mm -mm, no, he shouldn't have said that to me like that. Nope. You ain't getting no dinner tonight, and you ain't getting no cookies. It's just not happening. You shouldn't have said that to me. You don't ask God to fix your heart. You didn't even ask God about it. 
You just moved out of your flesh. That is a faraway country. <laughs> so he went to the faraway country, and what did he do? He wasted his substance. He wasted what the Father had prepared for him. You've been given one life. Somebody say one life to live. There's an inheritance locked into your life. There are benefits. The scripture says that daily he loads us with benefits. There's a benefit package for every day of your life. And so God is like, how are you managing? What are you doing with the one life I've given you to live? How are you processing through that thing? What did he do? He wasted that word. Wasted, he squandered his money. He, he squandered his money. The, the Greek word for it means to scatter and to disperse abroad. He took what God had packaged for his life. And by mishandling it, it was spread into all kinds of places. Places it did not belong. Places it should not have been. God had given him something that was set up just for him. And he took what was just for him and laid it in any old place. When you don't understand the power of the life you have to live, you'll let anybody in and out of it. I want you to work with me to hear. You'll let anybody in and out of it. You'll put yourself in places you should never be in or belong in. You'll take assignments for stuff you should have never taken assignments for. And then ask God to help give you the strength for what he never told you to do. We will get to the place where we decide that we want to move in and out and do whatever we want to do. And God's saying, you're wasting what I locked inside of your life. You're wasting what I gave to you. You're wasting what I told you to do because you're not inquiring of me and you prefer the faraway country. There's stuff that God has made available. I love this because the scriptures say God's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. That is so powerful. Every single thing that we need. Not some stuff, everything. Not a piece of it, everything. Well, why do some people not have the access to everything? Because we refuse to wait. That's one word. Wait. Somebody say wait. And we refuse to work. Somebody say work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't expect you to, you know, if I told you, God said he's about to give a hundred of us a million dollars, you'd begin running. But he's not going to get it to you. You have no budget. So he's not giving you anything. So this is what I need you to understand. I need you to understand this. That you've got to align yourself with the place where you're like, I am no longer going to waver back and forth and waste. Waste. Think about this for a minute. How much stuff have you wasted in life? We just doing work, that's all. Why come to church and just hear a man yell and scream and preach at me and I not do any work today? I got to do some work. Look at your neighbor and say, do some soul work. What are you wasting right now? Think about it. Don't just look at me. Think about it. What, what are you wasting right now? Is it money? Is it time? Is it energy? 
You got to protect it all. You got to protect your energy. You got to protect your energy. I'm not going to invest my energy where there is no return. Talk back to me. I am not going to invest my energy where you don't do nothing with it. I told somebody the other day, I, told, I decided I was never giving you any more wisdom. Y'all don't like that because you think that's not godly. But you forgot about the parable of the talents. You don't read your Bible. That's why you don't think it's godly. He said, you didn't do nothing with what I gave you. You got one life to live, friend, one life to live. He said, you didn't do nothing with what I gave you. All you did was bury it. He said, I don't want nothing to do with this. Because you decided you're going to bury it. Where are you placing your energies that it doesn't belong? Right? I told you recently, I'll repeat it again. You've got to understand the power of that's not my problem. Not everybody's problem, hello, y'all sound really Anglican in here today. Not everybody's problem is my problem. I'm sorry that happened to you, but I didn't do it and I don't have to solve it unless God has assigned me. I wish you would get this. You can't look on TV, and don't get me wrong, I feel for the kids that have no food in third world country. But if you, you can't look at TV and be like, oh, boy, oh, my God. The kids out there, I got to... Oh, man, I need to send them some, some money. I need to send them some. Did God tell you to send money to Africa? Y'all see? Y'all exiting out on me. Like, where's your compassion, Basil Sherman? Where's your wisdom? You got to know your assignment. You got to know what he's telling you to do. If you take money that he, he told you to give to San Bernardino and send it to Africa, you are out of alignment. But if you don't go and pray and ask him where that money's supposed to go, you'll be taking SPD's money and sending it over there to South Africa when God is like, that's not what I told you to do. But you waste them. And the reason waste always comes when you're making haste and you move away to a faraway country in your mind. This is good, Sherman. Thank you, Sherman. Taking my time with this today because I need you to get this. And I don't want you to do the pointing of the finger. I don't want you to text your friend and say, I wish you really wish you were at church today. No, no, no. This is for you. It's for everybody in this room, including me. It already hit me. It hits me before I give it to you. What area are you wasting? And where you know you're wasting, tune it up. Do you not want to finish this year strong? Or do you want to end this year like you ended last year? We ain't got too much to go. I mean, it's September, boo. I mean, we, we got November. <laughs> we got October, November, and December, and it's over. This year has ran away. It was just January yesterday. I'm like, what happened? So you don't have time to waste. You got to determine, catch this, you got to determine when your flesh or your, your emotions is leading you versus where he is leading you. What did this son do? He made an emotional decision. He was moved by his own ambition. 
and what he wanted. He moved. Here's the word. Here you go. He was moved by impulse. I'm going to say right here. He was moved by impulse. Impulse will get you into all kinds of situations. Oh, okay, I see where I'm at. you got to tame your flesh. The scripture says it like this, crucify. In other words, kill it and kill it dead. you got to tame your flesh. So not every impulse, you shouldn't be moving on those things. Okay, let's make it practical. Let's make it practical. When you walk in that store, and you're like, my God, these shoes. My good God from glory. These my God. I know what outfit I could put. As a matter of fact, I ain't got no outfit. I'm going to buy an outfit for the shoes. Y'all in here. I mean, these shoes. You want to know the difference between those that make no impact or low impact and people who make high impact, especially with their finances, is because they stopped moving on their impulses a long time ago. Let me give some practicals. Have you looked at Warren Buffett recently? Some of you are like, who is that? Exactly. That's the problem. Have you looked at him recently? He, he's not wearing all this flashy stuff y'all wearing. He's not, he's not investing his money on, and nothing wrong with having nice cars, but he's not investing his money on a car that you can be amazed by. If you were to see Warren Buffett, you could think that he was some man of, of low means. Why? He stopped moving on his impulses. What impulses are driving your life right now? Write it down and think about it. What impulses are driving your life right now? What things are you doing out of emotions and then you come back and apologize for later? The prodigal son made an emotional decision which got him to the place of waste. He made an emotional decision. I am asking God in this season of my life, do not allow me to be led by my emotions. But how do I discipline my emotions? Your emotions are handled by the word of God. You need to be cut. Now, you don't want this. You need to be cut. What do you mean, Sherman? You've got to take the word of God, which is the two-edged sword, and you've got to let God do some cutting on your life and cut away what's not necessary. I only want what's necessary for this time and this season. I only want what's appointed for this time. Whatever that doesn't belong here, God, bring the knife of heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, I need a cut. I need a cut. I know you've been working on the lashes and working on the brows. I know you don't put them inches in. I know you got the braids and crochet and everything. I know. Synthetic hair and real hair. I know you got it in there. Gentlemen, I know you went and got your best line, but at the end of the day, have you made space for what God wants? Your business is at the fast food uh, establishment. Yeah, the investment you need for your business is over there at the fast food place. Because out of impulse, you made a decision that I'm going to have a burger rather than go home and make a sandwich. 
I'm not trying to raise church goers. If you just want to be a church goer, I can give you a list of churches in San Bernardino. Well, that may be possible, but if you're going to come here, you're going to be challenged and you're going to grow. We are here to change the world, and we're not going to do it by living our own way. We have to allow God to deal with us so we can become who we need to become. Not yet, gentlemen. You, you can't live a riotous life. You can't live wastefully. Because when you do, you end up putting yourself in a position where things are not where it needs to go. What does righteous mean? It means that I'm doing it, I'm doing it without saving. Without, without stewarding it at the level that I need to steward it. So the man we see here is wasting his substance. Wasting the substance that God gave him. To live recklessly is costly. To live without boundaries will cost you everything. What will be said of you at the end of this life? How will they speak of your life? Sound a little urban, but you know. Why was Rita's funeral nine hours? Or however long it was? Twelve hours, somebody said, Jesus. Hashtag bring Rita back. Y'all ain't saying nothing. But listen. What, what, what happened? That much impact. Y'all. Surely, I was even like, I mean, when is this thing going to end? But apparently this lady had made so much impact and had got into the place where God wanted her to be that that many people needed to respond to the impact that they had made on her, like he, she had made on their lives. What do you want to be said for you at the end of the day? You got one life to live. Verse 14, that I'm out of your hair. Verse 14 of Luke chapter 15. But when he has spent all, somebody say all. Listen, you got a chance to align it and to get it right before it's all gone. How many of you have ever... And you don't got to raise your hand. You just say it in your heart. How many of you have ever gotten a large sum of money and before you knew it, it was gone? Y'all raising your hand. I see it. We just got an honest church. You got in an accident or in California, you slip and fell on purpose. And like, oh, you saw the sign right there. And you was like, oh, boom. I'm hurting and got you a suit. Now here you are, $10,000, $5,000, And because you had no plan, you had no structure, you lost all 20 of those thousands. They're gone. Gone. Doesn't exist anymore. That is called reckless living. See, for the majority of us, we don't think we're living recklessly. Because you're like, I ain't, I'm not smoking no more. Some of you are like, I, I'm at least not smoking the illegal stuff anymore. You're still smoking, but it's no longer illegal. You get what I'm saying? Okay, moving on. So it's... <laughs> Some of you are like, you know what? I don't lie anymore. I don't cheat. I don't do these things anymore. 
my life is not reckless. So you're focusing so much on what you do great that you're missing out on those spaces where you're still living recklessly. I need to align myself. Somebody say alignment. And as I align myself, go to the next level. What do you say? He spent everything. You got time to get it together before you spend it all. And there arose what? A famine in that land. Arose a famine. If when you handle and manage the one life you have to live, it won't matter what happens around you. Some of us were not hit by the recession. And the reason why we were not hit by the recession or the recession did not mess with some of us is because we had properly planned and managed our life. It is possible for a famine to hit the land and you be untouched by it. You don't believe me? Remember Joseph? Joseph had a dream. Or Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph interpreted the dream. What did the dream do? It prepared Pharaoh and his people to last in famine. There are strategies in heaven that will be released to you to make sure that you're able to last when everything else is falling around you. When everybody else's business is closed, you're going to be the one business with the lights on. Are you hearing me today? When everybody else's family are falling apart, you're going to be the one family that's like, everybody else losing their house, my house going to still be standing there and it's going to be intact because I made a decision. I'm coming out of the faraway country. I'm drawing to the Father and I'm no longer going to waste what he's given me. Severe famine came, and because he went to the far country, came away from the father, he was affected by what should have never affected him. If he would have stayed where he was supposed to stay, he would not be in a place of leanness when God called for him to be in abundance. It is important for you to get this, come gentlemen, that he got to a place and the verse says, at the end of the verse, he began to be in what? I can't hear you. What? He began to be. He began. He had lived his whole life outside of one. I hope you're getting this. He lived his entire life outside of want. But one decision to come away from his father and go to the faraway country, put him into a place now where he was introduced to something he never had to see. He was introduced to want. What does want mean here? The, 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 the Greek word for want here means to come late, be behind, or come short. This decision, living recklessly, wasting it all, has brought him to a place where he's late. Somebody say late. Y'all can play. Say behind time. Somebody say he was left short. What are you going to do this week to tune up? Not that I'm working on it, not working on it, spirit. Not I'm working on it, but not working on it. Today's the day to do it. 
It's not next week. It's not, it's not two weeks from now. Today's the day to make the changes that you need to make so that you can align with what God has available for you. He doesn't want you coming short. You don't have to be in want. There's a Hebrew word for want. I'm almost out of your hair. And this is the word. The word is, is kazar. And this is what it means. It means to be in lack, need, or to be decreasing. In lack, need, or to be decreasing. Where do we find that word? We find it in Psalms 23 and 1. I'm done. In Psalms 23 and 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, look at this, decrease. I shall not be in lack. I shall not. I shall not. But what is the key? I got to stay close to the shepherd. If I allow the shepherd to lead me as I come out of the faraway country, as I say, God, you don't get parts of me. You get all of me. You can have my entire life. You can have my entire mind. You can have my entire family. You can have my entire business. All of me, all of me belongs to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I refuse to want. I refuse to be in lack. I refuse to go under. I refuse to come up short because I'm aligning myself with the God of heaven. I'm aligning myself with Jesus Christ and you are going to be my shepherd. And if I got to be rebuked, I'm okay with it. And if I got to be chastised, I'm all right with it. And if I got to be directed, I'm all right with it. I want to follow the staff and the rod of my shepherd. I need him to guide me. I need him to take me to the place where I need to be. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm getting rid of every piece of prodigal inside of me. I'm getting rid of every single wavered son aspect inside of me. And I'm reaching to heaven and saying, Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, show me the way. Lord, take me to where you want to take me. Lord, whatever you say, that's what I want. Wherever you want me to be, that's where I want to be. I need you to look at somebody around you and tell them the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Come on, find somebody else around you. Tell them the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. You can't direct me. You can't take me where you want me to go. I need God. I don't need another president to lead me. I don't need someone else around me to lead me. I just need God to tell me where I need to go and what it is I need to do. The Lord is my my shepherd, I shall not want. Lift your hands. Father, thank you for the one life you've given us to live. Teach us, Father, to embrace structures, systems, restrictions. We want the Father. <laughs> We want the wisdom. We're, we're coming out of faraway countries right now. While you're worshiping, just right now, just begin. You know the places. Just begin to ask God, Lord, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. Tell him, thank you for the opportunity to come out of the faraway country. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. That's the power of grace, that it doesn't matter who we've been and what we've done. <laughs> That's the power of grace. It doesn't matter who we've been and what we've done. Jesus is still saying there, saying, I give you another chance, another opportunity. There is another way. He said, there is another time. There's another opportunity, and I'm giving it to you. Jesus says, I love you and I love everything about you. And if you're willing to make a change, and if you're willing to come out of the faraway country, I am open to receive. Let's go to the place where he designed for us to go. Let's go to the high places in God. Let's leave these low valleys. Let's leave these low places, and let's ascend to the hill of the Lord. The shepherd is there waiting to guide you through every circumstance and every day of your life. Father, we receive your grace, your mercy, 
your kindness. We receive your purpose, your plan, your ideas. We receive your direction, <laughs> your heart, the peace you've made available. We receive the joy, the hope that's available in you. We receive all that you have available, Father, and we're about to live the best life we could ever live. And if you believe that you're stepping into your greatest day, come on, give God a big shout of praise. Come on, give God a big shout of praise, all nations. Hallelujah! Father, we love you. Come on, take a minute, just worship him. Father, we praise you. Wow, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we honor you. We lift your name up. We worship you. You're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy. You're worthy. We are worthy. We receive you. We receive you. We receive you. We receive all that you have available. All you have available for us. All you have available for us. If you're a worshiper, come on, just lift your hands and don't worry about what's next.